Hello, just quickly before we jump into these prologue episodes, I apologise that this is going to be at the beginning of each one, but it's only there just for those that might need a little bit of world lore. We normally would be playing games in the Forgotten Realms and the Sword Coast, but we've decided for Campaign 2, um, I won't say anything about any of them going forward, but uh, we're going to be playing everything completely homebrew. So this world that we'll be playing in is known as Cordelia, and it's one that I've been writing over the last few years. Um, just to give you a brief idea of what Cordelia is, um, you can go over to our website 16candlekeeps.com and find the Cordelia page and it'll have a much more detailed breakdown of this on there as well as a map so you can see like the layout of at least Bower Heath, the main continent that we'll be using in this campaign for the moment. But the idea essentially is, once upon a time, long long ago, there was an original party of adventurers known as the World Splitters. They essentially helped the gods to chain up Tharazdun, as Tharazdun was causing a lot of nightmares. And if you want to learn more about Tharazdun's history, by all means go off and Google that. But that is the, 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 the pinnacle of where Cordelia was created as a plane of existence. As the leader of the World Splitters was killed in that fight, um, his reward was essentially ascension to uh, deity... Uh, status and therefore they decided that he would have his own plane of existence to be a deity of shortly after that his uh, like his wife and his children became gods in the world and you can read a lot more as i say on our website there explain like the, a bit more about the pantheon of the world you can also read about a little more detailed about the history and the war that essentially was the beginning of cordelia um the 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 world is also a lot more fluid than the realms that you may have heard games in. A lot of my DMing style is to accommodate the player's wants and kind of ideas in the world. So if there is a, a, a want for something uh, like, a, I don't know, a, an underground adventure, there will be an underground part that may not currently exist in the world and will be added onto the world as well. The joy of this is that the concept in world lore of this at the moment is it's in its fledgling years. The game's going to be set 60 years after the the, the creation of the plane itself. So they're, they're still trying to find their legs as a civilization and as a plane. But more of that later in the actual campaign itself. You'll hear more of that um, as we learn the world as well. Because I'll be writing the world a lot more across the... Uh, across the campaign as as they come to parts that may not be fully fleshed out at the moment. That's it. Um, you'll be hearing, as you'll know, um, after this, the prologues for the main characters that will be playing in campaign 2, and then hopefully you uh, join us later on in September where we'll be doing the, uh, the campaign 2 big, open, and more madness to follow. But yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
Hello, and welcome to our third prologue. Welcome all. Our welcoming sounds. Um, I'm here with the lovely Master Thornton, otherwise known as the Bingle Bang Bang. Um, how are we, Master Bingle Bang Bang? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, excited to bring a new character in and explore this world that you've been working on. Yes. I, I'm very aware, I've said this the last time, I'm putting my money where my mouth is after slagging off the Forgotten Realms all last campaign <laughs> and the campaign before that. So now I'm like, oh god. Now anyone who plays in this one or anyone who listens to us is going to go, what is with Anyway, um, but yes. Don't um, forget that you can find the Twitter to at him at in the description below. <laughs> ah, yes. Thank you, Internet, for being so open conversation <laughs> but yes um I'll, I'll happily take any acting um light of the world um we are here today on and i didn't this is the one thing i didn't write down earlier god damn it um we are here today on the 15th of september um master bengal is there anything that you would like to share with us any exciting projects in the, in the dreams or anything that you want to tell us about um well uh we just managed to hit 151 followers on uh twitch so gonna be doing some more pokemon fun times um playing the game boy version of the pokemon tcg doing some uh booster online code giveaways and um yeah just gonna have a, a fun uh pokemon time thanks I will be around for the Pokemon games. That will be grand. Um, uh, yes, and for those that uh, are of a, a sound nature, um, you may enjoy, and there was no comment against his previous recording, but Liam's fancy new mic is already treating us lights of his voice. Um, but yes, um, I'm, I'm just jealous because you have a very expensive version of, of, of my tiny little blue snowball that's sat next to me. <laughs> Yeah, but I was also rocking like a five pound, uh, you know, cheapy knockoff thing. Effectively, I had a microphone from Wish. It wasn't from Wish, but it might as well have been. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's the the delights of uh, when 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 the you suddenly realise I should I I deserve the microphone now. I need it for functions that I do. <laughs> But yes, we're not here to talk about microphones, we're here to talk about the duh and duh. So, um, like the last two, uh, we'll be doing a bit of uh, kind of like world exploring with uh, this new character for campaign two, hopefully all the way to the end of campaign two, but I won't make any promises. Uh, we'll be looking into the background of Liam's uh, new bard character he'll be playing. It's very exciting. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about your character? names, life things, whatever you feel willing to share at this point. Um, yeah, well, for starters, I am just going to make it very well known right now. I have never played a bard before in my life. Um, so we're, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, I'm used to playing support roles and that, which I feel a bard does. Um, and at least they actually have more spell slots than things like warlocks. Um, 
But yes, so uh, my character is uh, Elgnib Iadalsine. Yeah, uh, so obviously uh, an, a high elf with a name like that. Um, ridiculously long name with an apostrophe in the middle and everything. Um, we're not, we're not going to talk about what that name translates to, um, but it is in D&D elvish or at least the surname of Aya Dalsine is so uh you, you can you can look that up and figure it out yourself um <laughs> um yeah he, he is a high elf bard um probably somewhere in the region of yeah he's he's probably like middle age elf so what's that like 400 500 hmm. um He's got uh, some short silvery hair, um, wears a lot of fine clothes. Uh, most notably at the moment, he is rocking a blue tailcoat um, with a lovely matching waistcoat, a red pair of boots, pair of gloves, and uh, a cravat that matches that. He's, he's very much aesthetic over function um he has will will be nice he likes to play games we're not going to say that he has a gambling addiction because it, it's it's less that and it's more that he's very competitive in his nature and he likes to show that he is able to outwit people mm. um and the most gentlemanly way to do that of course is uh, to play games mm, so he frequents a lot of uh gambling houses casinos basically if there is a game he wants to play it and he wants to master it right so and um for the delights that is um, both yourself and our audience, because obviously, um, unlike any other time that you can go to a book and just say, so he's starting in Waterdeep, Waterdeep has these things, I'm going to give you a little bit about your hometown, because we've agreed that um, Elgnib lives in the capital of Bowerheath, um, which is Aelstorm's Rest, um, coming soon, a novel by Steve Archer. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, now I've signed that up. Anyway, so, um, for, you, for yourself um, and for our audience, the Aelstorm's Rest is essentially like Waterdeep. Um, it is the capital. Um, it is a kind of barrel-shaped city, walled, um, broke up into four quarters, um, which are the Jewelry Quarter, the Pauper Quarter, the Tumbler Quarter, and the Guild Quarter. Uh, the the jewelry quarter and the pauper quarter are literally like the living accommodation areas of uh, of the citizens. Guess by the names of them, what sort of uh, society lives in each of them? Uh, Tumbler quarter is more where you'll find your uh, armorers, your blacksmiths, uh, the sort of areas that you're going to find um, training and um, different like almost like your hobby area sort of thing. Um, whereas the uh, the guild quarter is quite literally where the guild houses of uh, Elstorm's rest kind of frequent and also 
have their own trade, so it's where you're finding more of the shops rather than the actual like um, armorers and trainers of the of uh, adventuring parties and stuff like that. Um, in the center of it is a large spindly kind of tower known as Colfret's Tower. Um, it is named after the uh, the the king of the Barrel Lands, at least. So, uh, for those that have been able to go over, if you go over to our website, 16camerakeeps.com, and click on, I think the tab is called Cordelia or the World. Uh, I'm not too sure about double-checking it off the top of my head. But um, uh, essentially, you can see our map there, and it's broke down into different uh, regions across the, uh, the island itself. But um, the king of the Barrel Lands, and therefore um, Elston's Rest, is this uh, Leonin by the name of Anansi Colfret. And he, along with a council of uh, different uh, leaders across the country, uh, kind of rule over with... A... There, there is a level of fairness across all of it, where each leader has their say in how they're going to control their faction or their area of the cities around the, uh, around the world, but also he is kind of like the, the kingpin of it all afterwards. Um, though his own fealty is only in the area of bar uh, Barrowlands, so no one really kind of pays too much attention to him unless he's usurper, not usurper, he's overruling the, the leader of their, the person's actual area they're from. It's a fancy political thing that nobody really cares about. Nobody look into the thing behind the curtain. Um, but yes, so here it's very much like your New York, um, London kind of fashion, where it's a never, never sleeping city. It's filled with eclectic mixes of races, religions, creeds. You, it's also one of the main gang points of where um, portals from different planes um, can tra traverse from, say, the Forgotten Realms into uh, the, the plane of Cordelia. So you you are not you're not shocked or uh, you're quite comfortable with. The tourist trade and how how much um, the the world is kind of like open to different different functions. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it is a it is, it is essentially go Google large metropolis and put D and D characters in it. That's where we're living. Um, so, uh, for yourself, Algnip, as I will call you now, rather than Bingle, which would be confusing. But not confusing. Mm -hmm. um, um, for yourself, let's uh, look at uh, just before we jump into like the main prologue proper. Um, what's the day in the life of Algnib, Algnib look like when he's? Uh, what does he do? Obviously, you've mentioned he's a uh, gambler, but not got addiction, and he likes to work that. But is there any like key parts of his life that can be drawn from at this point? Um. Let's see, so, you know, usual sorts of morning routine of getting up and making a a coffee, you know, and just, just taking in the sights um, from his, you know, high-rise apartment window. Just sort of looking out over the city and just wondering uh, what... What's today got in store for him? What new things is he going to learn? Because he's constantly trying to learn. He's constantly trying to improve. Um, 
And then, you know, after the usual sort of milling around a bit, picking out the most obnoxious looking outfit possible, um, making his way down into the city proper. And uh, probably getting uh, distracted by like a group of um, wealthy looking tourists or travelers and just thinking, I mean, they've obviously got money. They are new to the area. Maybe they uh, maybe they'll play a game. So he's very, he's kind of almost entrepreneurial in his, uh, his there's no day-to-day -day job that he is trying to distract himself from, he actually is. Oh, no, no, no. And, yeah, uh, he, he, he doesn't need to, he's that good that he doesn't need a yeah. proper job to be able oh, to yeah. deal with it. It's, it's one of, one of you, you guys who makes their living by playing poker every night because they understand yeah. how to play it properly. Um, and... Not to spoil it, but um, I will I will reach out with this question here. And um, we've mentioned um, while setting up this sort of stuff that you do have a lady in your life. Um, does she live with you in your high rise, or is she um, currently uh, elsewhere? Uh, I would say probably elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's found this area as good for good for his trade. Yeah. Um not really the sort of place that you would have ever wanted your family to be around with all of the gangs yeah i get that um and uh, so would it be safe to say that um, although you're currently living in alestorm's rest is like the the smelting pot of like all the different places where money can come in you're at your your family that you have made with her elsewhere is in a more rural area or is it or she also from uh, like the big city as well or i i would say probably something more rural okay um probably closer to sort of where he would have been used to growing up before yeah but then he got lured by all of the the lights and splendor yeah, no, that makes sense, because in the world that I've been trying to design, I'm trying not to do that thing, but it is a very easy trope to fall into where the elven society does come more from the uh, the more um, like forest-based areas, um, whereas you know the dwarves are more mining and stuff like that, so they do have their own little settlements, even though um, the world is more accepting and fluid in their, uh, their travelling and such like that. There is kind of like a, an area of Oh, there is kind of a, a level of elves don't typically start from th this area unless they've immigrated or um, what's the other word? Um, their, their family's kind of like their second generation rather than being um, the uh, like born and bred in where the the elves normally start their lives and such like that. I'm trying to mm -hmm. sound intelligent. It's not working. <laughs> but yes, uh, so lovely. Um, so with that, let's jump into uh, the uh, the prologue discussion that we've uh, been having last day or two. Um, so for yourself, you've been, uh, I, th I think it's safe to say that over the last few days for you, so we're picking up around the same time as everyone else's uh, prologue, around the 
we're today's day in world will be the 42nd of spring um i believe it's six uh, what year did i set it in <sighs> this is why stephen never writes things <laughs> I should know this from my editing as well, but yes. uh... is... I think it was sixty-two uh, DL. Didn't make the joke of 69. sixty-two or sixty-five. Oh gods! Oh gods! Let Let's just say that it's the exact same date as everyone else's. The forty. It's the the, the... Steve. Put it in afterwards. I'll say it and then we'll record it in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the forty-second of spring. To jump past this, um, the day before was quite for yourself as well. This would be quite uh, as someone who lives in Aelstorm's Rest. Um, it was a day where the entire city stopped working. It was a shell shock of an experience, um, as for the first time ever um, in their knowledge, one of so the world's uh, world law, as we've already heard from. Uh, me previously saying nonsense about the world law at the beginning of the episode or previously in other episodes um the world is set up after the original party of heroes the first barbarian the first wizard the first warlock etc um there the world was created after they took down Farisdun with the gods and then this world was created the, the surviving members of that party became the world's kind of protectors almost like the avengers of this world um for those that want a bit more of a um modern reference uh so but all of a sudden they started to die off in old age and uh, more heroic fashions because they were trying to tame this world that's still in its fledgling years um the last of the the last of them that were surviving were the barbarian moonbreaker and the lich uh, Brenda Wick Gall. Yesterday was the funeral of Moonbreaker, to which the city held a service. So your trade is where you would normally wake up and uh, have a wander around, uh, have quite a, a nice uh, day of kind of not conning tourists, but like using their naivety to your advantage. Um, you, you've had a bit of a, a lull so even your day i'm not sure if Elgnib would have cared of that sort of thing but like your day would have been a, a lot less um similar to your usual routine of going out and and working the, the tourists and stuff like that which leads you to um the door of somewhere you have not been for a while you being uh, being a, uh, a gentlemanly um, elf rarely frequent the areas that are illegal gambling areas although you're aware of them and have used them before um, you will priority your priority is normally in the more um, socially accepted uh, gambling scene of uh, so the headquarters in runs uh, a, a even an evening with cards and dice uh there is a uh, where have we got here i've got my list uh, you've got the sovereign race course um up to the north of the city uh and then henrietta's a speakeasy um which uh is so cool that they give you sunglasses as part of the admission um because i hate myself um but for to 
today's <laughs> episode. <laughs> uh, for today's episode and for your for your return to the more um, dark and dreary kind of uh, dreary side of uh, the gambling scene, you are outside Billy's Emporium. Billy's almost like a uh, an homage to Millie's hero Xanathar, or the Xanathar, is found by losing yourself in the back alleys of the pauper quarter. You have to literally get yourself lost in the back, back streets and the alleys for the enchantment that covers the door to reveal itself. This is harder and harder with each return visit because start to remember where where you saw it last time mm-hmm. it only ever makes it makes it more hard to um enact the enchantment that reveals the door it is a simple door it looks like a back door of a building as you wander past but you fa- you only being here once or twice found it quite easily um in your struggle to find it um it's a simple door which has a red eye with 10 smaller red eyes circling around it all of which have a glint in the corner that appears to be a dice. As you enter the enter the the, uh, the enter the antechamber, that's uh, kind of the, the greeting room. There is a simple kind of cloak room area. Uh, there is a, a drow lady behind a, 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 a cloak stand kind of area where you can drop off any things that you're not uh, wanting to take in, like umbrellas and such. And a stairwell down into a very dark uh kind of there is almost like dim light uh, as the door closes behind you uh there's like a, a f- almost that kind of nightclub blue kind of lighting um but at the moment you've just got a, a cloakroom stairwell going down let's drop anything off of the cloakroom um do weapons have to be dropped off um there is a Thieves' code of it is not expected that uh, you would know this um, uh, as you've been here once or twice and you know how the, uh, the the gambling scene works. There is a thieves' code of essentially you don't have to get rid of your weapons, but there is an expectation that just because you have them on you doesn't that it's doesn't mean you are willing to fight sort of thing. Um, there, there's an expect, expectation to take it outside. If, if you're going to have any fracases. Uh, um, I think he would probably make a point of putting his sword in. Okay. Um, you are handed a small kind of platinum ring, which has a, a little keychain hanging off it um, that has the number 84. Um, as she takes your sword and takes it off into the back areas uh, to place it away for uh, for safekeeping. Um, when she comes back, she asks um, if you would like to purchase any uh, shells or if you were going to only be playing the card games. Um... Just to explain for yourself, um, this place has a roulette table um, well, in the in the world, it's called Maelstrom, um, but it's essentially a roulette table. And rather than paying uh, coinage, uh, you can buy a shell 
for uh, for one gold a shell. You can essentially buy the the tokens that you would play at the roulette table. I mean, I don't think I'm ever leaving here. I feel the need to just let you know this now. Um, <laughs> the campaign needs to come to you here now. <laughs> yep. God damn it. <laughs> they need me. This is where I'll be. Um, I think because that one is just pure luck and chance, I think he would pass and just go straight for card games. Not a problem. Um, so, uh, you have been here, as I said before, you've been here once or twice, so you know that the games change on a, a regular basis. Um, when uh, when the only one that does stay is Maelstrom, because there's two Maelstrom tables uh, that are sat either side of the, the main hall area that is down below. So as you uh, turn around after turning down the, off of the shells, uh, you turn around and go down the stairs, you come down to what looks essentially like an abandoned like 50s music hall uh, there is a large stage at the end which has this kind of decrepit looking sea, sea uh, kind of seascape where there's like this huge clamshell uh, opened up and there's like what looks like mottling mottled uh, like decaying pieces of like seaweed hanging from around it there are little like animatronic fishes and crabs that seem to just gently move with the breeze that comes from where you're not really sure where it's coming from as this underground area doesn't seem to have any vents that you can see as you look around the ceiling or the, the wall areas and there are a couple of tables that are spotted around the center of the room that look like they've just converted the cabaret seating that was once here into gaming tables uh, either side of the room you can see these larger tables that are set up as i say as the roulette tables uh, as you can see, a, a myriad of uh, dwar dwarven kind of Doragar-like uh, servants walking around and serving drinks to the uh, the people playing at the tables. And you can see that there are two Yuan-Ti uh, kind of pure-blood female, uh, very kind of live-looking figures running the roulette tables or the maelstrom tables. I'm not saying the name right. But, <laughs> yeah. Problem when you sit down with a casino like book and go right roulette maelstrom that is now going to be called this. <laughs> um, for yourself, there is a plaque just as you come down saying that tonight's games are. Uh, so you've got Tiamat's Bounty, uh, which for yourself is a, is similar to Blackjack. Um, got Beholder's Eye, which is a dice game. And there is, uh, the, the copper shooters have been uh, reinstalled, so the 2P machines, um, in one corner of the room. And if you are willing to pay the 10 gold buy-in, uh, there is one table running swords and shields. Uh, but the, the, uh, there's only one table and it's quite high demand. As you look around, you can see that the, t the, the area is not that busy. Uh, for this evening, uh, the main kind of draw does seem to be this large table that sits just at the front of the, uh, almost like where the pit would be in the original theatre setup, uh, where there's opulent kind of, almost looks out of place in here, opulent poker table has been set up, and you can see that there are several chairs sat along the uh, the southern side of it, and no chair on the northern side, 
as Millie, the Beholder herself, this very bejeweled and very uh, kind of um, very bombastic-looking Beholder that has covered every inch of her skin in rings and bracelets of gold and platinum, um, and some have said that uh, has had one or two of her teeth replaced with mithril. Um, she is currently sat on her own side of the table, playing swords and shields with whoever is able to get a, uh, a chair at the table. Um, there looks to be the main crowd of a good 10 or 15 people uh, waiting for their turn at the other side of that table, kind of blocking who's sat currently at the, the chairs opposite Millie. But then, as I say, there's a quieter area more to the south of the room that have these other games playing around. What would you like to do? Well, let's not go straight in on the main event. I mean, we wanna we wanna see how that table's playing. Um, but I think go for the the dice game. Go for the dice game. Lovely. So, um, as you walk over to one of the tables, uh, they are all signalled uh, by. Excuse me. And they're all signalled by. There's a small kind of like enchantment floating over a table that shows the name of the game that's being played at the table. So you wander over to a, a, a quieter table for um, for. Uh, excuse me. I want to load up my sheet with stuff. Uh, with Beholder's Eye, uh, the uh, the dice game sit down and a dwarven uh, dwarven female large kind of um, there's, a, there's almost like a, a, a level of like you're not sure where the moustache is stopping and the beard starts um, but very kind of like the th cousin it from, um, <laughs> from the Adams family kind of turns round you can see underneath there is some sort of uniform underneath the hair but uh, turns to you uh, just so it's a five gold buy-in. Um, just so you're aware, I'm not sure if, and just so we we can explain the game because you you would know it as a, a gamer in the uh, in the world. Uh, you pay five gold to get in. You're given two d ten, and essentially it's a, a game of chance. If you roll your two d ten, if you roll a one or a ten, you win. Uh, you win two to one back. Um, and you can double your bet by uh, adding an additional d10 if you if you want to do so. Um, any other number loses, and the house takes the win. Essentially, wonderful. Um, yeah, we can we can handle that buy-in. You you drop a drop five gold pieces on the table. He pulls it over to one side and puts it uh, like almost like a pot area in front of you, uh, but doesn't it too far so it shows that there is a level of you're going to win this back potentially um roll 2d10 okay just getting the d10s so we are just you know first dice roll with this character it's not even a d20 i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> oh and it's a bust oof yeah so so he hands it as he places two uh, d10s in front of you. Uh, you can see that they've got the kind of each of them have the the 
the numbers on them, but they all seem to have an eye behind them in that kind of like hint towards the the owner's um, owner's variety. Um, and you roll, uh, and you hear kind of like a gentle oof. There's no one behind you, but there's almost like there's an audible kind of hint that you have busted. Um, and the dwarf scrapes the uh, the pot into his uh, into his container behind the desk. Got another game, lad, or are you uh, happy to pay in? Um, just by not to be uh, rude, but just remember, if you do find yourself going into a sink, you can always go have a chat with the uh, the sharks. But he points right down the bottom end by the bar, where there are two orcish-looking gentlemen looking like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They look like the twins of each other. Black caps, waistcoats. Uh, you would know these to be essentially the uh, the, the loaning system of Millie's um, if you do want to borrow any money at any point. Um, well, I thank you for that, but I should be fine. No problem. Another game. Um, well, dice really aren't my thing, but I'll give it another go. Sure, why yeah, not? Not a problem. And he places the the, di the dice in front of you again. Just gonna just take a second and just sort of look at the dice. Yeah. And just test the weight on them. I'm gonna say, do you want to make? Because uh, this is gonna be fun. And the. Uh, with the other two, um, we didn't do many rolls. Actually, I'm going to do it that way. I'm going to do that though, because you are your your proficiencies and such like that is in card games and dice games, and you 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 draw power from that sort of area. I think you would intrinsically know the weighting of the dice, and there's a level of like it's not cheating as such. You're not adding a spell to make the weight of it. You get the sense that you can feel that. There is a weighted one. One of them does seem to roll uh, to to one side more that you can feel, but it doesn't give a set number every time. So you'll have advantage on one of the dice on this roll. On. Um, yeah, he'll sort of gauge that and then he'll uh, throw the first one down and then spin the second one. Excellent. Um, I'm going to go with this one rather than rolling. Um, you naturally win. There, are, Once you've felt the dice and you kind of focus in on it, you with your spin and you playing around with the, the function of the dice itself, uh, the, the spin drops and immediately drops on a 10. Uh, he, the dwarf looks at you and just smiles and goes, ah, not so bad with dice after all, and then pushes your pot back to you and pulls out five gold from behind him and places it back on the table in front of you again. Probably safest that I just leave it there on this one today. Ah. Beginner's luck and all that. Well, you're welcome to enjoy the bar or you've got the uh, the other tables around. Um, I believe if you're trying to get in on the Swords and Shield action, you're probably going to want to take another five or ten minutes. Been, that queue's been going down over the evening, so you're uh, you're nearly there if you want a game. 
thank you very much for your time. And he'll uh, just slide one gold back towards the, the dwarf. The dwarf smiles, or what you think is a smile underneath the hair, <laughs> and pockets it, and then uh, just nods towards you as you uh, you leave the table. Um, lovely. What would you like to do next? As say you've got the, the Maelstrom tables, and you've got Tiamat's Bounty, which is a blackjack table, and you've got the 2p machines or the copper shooters, which are a copper apiece. I mean, do we even have any actual copper? I mean, th there are places in here that you can convert your money. Is there a, is there, is there a, per right, th this is the real question. Is there a person behind a counter, or is there a machine? There is, I'm going to say, because of the, the way I feel like the world is set up, there's a lot more automotive sort of things. There is a machine over to one side. It looks in. It looks more like a coffee grinder had a baby with like some sort of coin counter, and there's a lot of random contraption parts that you're not really sure why they're there, but you can see in the center of it is an orb filled with copper coins, um, and there's a slot to place uh, gold coins into a uh, to convert essentially. Just because I cannot go into any form of like place that has a 2p machine and not use it, I'm, I'm <laughs> doing that. I'm changing it up. Excellent. So uh, you'd get, I believe it's 100 copper for a gold? Uh, yep, that'd yes. be it. Yes, it's a, a penny to a pound. Yes, so you, uh, for how, many, how much you want to change, you can have as many copper coins as you want. We're just going to go with just a hundred copper for now. Excellent. So you change your coin and then you head over towards the uh, the copper shooters. It's a weird kind of like, it looks like they've taken a, a fish tank and placed it on top of one of the tables. And inside you can see these tiny imps that are sat behind little like cards that they push forwards and then move back and then push forwards again. And that it quite literally is looking at like an arcane version of a 2p machine you can see a pile of coins uh, uh all covering the uh, the base level with a, a opening at the bottom that would drop down to the chute underneath the table uh there are two layers behind it that the imps sit on the top layer of and you can see that in one or two of them uh, there are about five of them uh, um, at this table that you walk over to you can see in one or two of them there are owlbear plushies uh, sat in the center of the uh, of the coins. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go for one of them. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, the way I've worked this one, and um, I, I, I will apologize that this was all me sitting last night and going, how would I make a casino on D&D? &D? Um, so, every time you want to put a copper in, you get to roll a D100. On a 10 or lower, copper pieces will drop. So, for as many times oh. as you want, you may roll a d100. Okay, cool. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna give this a go. Is there any specific number that I need to roll to get that plush? So, I'm gonna go with the one that you're at. Let's go with, it looks like if you can get think if you can get one good push on it, you might be able to get it. It might need two more. 
interesting. As they always are. That deceptive kind of, it's right on the edge. Oh, I could get it. I just need another pound. <laughs> well, I put five in so far and I got some coins back on one roll. Excellent. Um, so with that one, do you want to roll a d20 for me? Uh, yep, that is a 10. 10? So you get 10 copper pieces back. So you drop it, you just sit and you use the quick fire uh, function on it as you just drop them in and it shoots down this little rack that runs down the side. One or two of them hit the head of the imp and you just hit this uh, uh, as it lands on top of them and then it just continues pushing it forward and you watch as they do their usual thing of they slide forward, they push onto the next layer, another one pushes forward, it drops underneath. And you watch it just get pushed into the, the grouping of coins on the bottom layer. And you watch as the owlbear just kind of eaters forwards. And it rocks back and forth like the bus at the end of the Italian job. It's just rocking back and forth gently on the precipice of coin and layer. You reckon one good push could get it? Well, I've just blitzed through a shed load. <laughs> We, we don't need to ask how much, but I've managed to get one more push out. Yay! Roll the d20 for me. And there's a six. A six. You get six copper pieces and oh, the man, I am, I am. Oh, thank God for that, because I am currently on a loss right now. <laughs> yeah, this can. is just like real life, but I've had the payout and I should walk away. However, just for the sake of it, I'm throwing one more. I got a ten. You got a 10. Nice. Yes. Roll a d20. Okay. We got another seven coins back. Excellent. Where um, am I at on my losses and gains here? I think I'm still down about 20. Uh, <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea. <laughs> am, I, am I just, 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 just one more. Just one more. Just one more. It's fine. Go for it as you sit. Nope. Don't know what it is. Nope. There is nope. Oh, well, this is a fun nope. idea. <laughs> nope. <laughs> God damn it. This really? I'm going to say that you start to, as you start pushing the coins in, and you're like, just one more. I can get this. Oh, just one. And you've already got the owlbear. You know that. But you're like, I need to try and make that money back. And you're pushing it through. And there's a moment where you lift your hand away. And as an elf, especially, it's really disconcerting. As your hand comes away, you feel this kind of like weird kind of arcane residue that moves away from your hand. And you realize that is actually a very heavy charm thing on the coin slot. Oh man. I mean this is this is awkward because I've just How much have you blown through? <laughs> I mean, I'm still ticking it through, but I've lost another 30. Um <laughs> I genuinely think, honestly, if I'm, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll two more. Go for it. And yeah, so neither of them came up. So I'm going to say that literally the entirety of the rest of the copper, <laughs> he just sinks it into the machine. Oh my God. And then he just sort of has that moment afterwards where he's just like, 
didn't go according to plan, um, maybe we avoid this one from now on. <laughs> he just looks at the owl bear. It and looks he just back at you. <laughs> just puts it in his pocket. Cool. It's uh, for for the sake of, uh, of pedantism. Um, it's about the size of a small plushy key ring sort of thing. So it's yeah. by no means a, a large teddy bear sort of thing. It's a because uh, it's it came out of a shoe. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> if it's if it's on one of these, it's it's a small thing. It's probably like an imitation of some you know name brand owl bear key ring. You say that. Wait till in about ten levels time when you go. I cast identify on the things in my bag, and I go, you have an item of wonder in your bag, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have an owl bear! Anyway. Uh, uh, I mean... I, I don't want to promise anything, but... <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'm getting an owl bear. Uh, a pet owl bear is all the party needs. Um, anyway. So, I think it's time to take on the big table. You want to take on the big table? Lovely. Yeah. So, um, wandering down, um, you walk past the tables as it started to die down at the other end, and you've kind of, you're not sure how time has passed so quickly, but for some reason, like anyone who uses the 2P machines, time has gone a lot quicker than you're expecting. Um, and you come down to see there is only a smattering of, uh, of an audience now, and there are five chairs available at the, the opposite end of Millie's table, um, you can see that there are two other people sat um, at the table themselves uh, with two or so chairs in between each of them. So you're welcome to sit where you would like. Um, I would only ask um, if you were to put Millie, if Millie was um, the uh, 12 o'clock position of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, the table, um, out of the chairs available, uh, you can put yourself between or on the either side of the other two. Whereabouts would you place? Um, probably between. So, okay, so that would make you essentially, if we're going clockwork, uh, clockwise fashion, that would make you play a free out of the the, the the words for people that are playing. Okay, mm -hmm. just so I know what's going on. So for yourself, you sit down, and as I said, there's this crowd of people who are more watching. Um, there's only about five or ten of them at the moment. They don't seem to. They, you can see that one or two of them do look quite um, like they've been uh, here for a while. They're very sleep-addled uh, or uh, sleep-deprived. They're, they're, they're quite jittery. Some of them are looking quite uh, drunk. But the f the table as you sit down has uh, two players other than yourself and Millie, the uh, the bombastic-looking beholder. Um, you have to your left, uh, so player four in the clockwise fashion, um, is a tiefling, uh, red-skinned, of darker brown horns that go back in a more canary kind of fashion uh, for uh, our Dragon Age fans. Um, he has quite a chiselled demeanour. He looks very much, and um, I'm going for more of a uh, going for more of a. Um, character in my head. It's almost like if the Iron Bull from uh, from Dragon Age Inquisition and like your typical devil had a love child. Um, very muscular, very broad-shouldered, uh, wearing quite opulent clothing like yourself, uh, very fine-fitted. You can see straps in, in, in the legging where, where he's holding different like blades and uh, you can see at one point a pistol 
against his uh, his right um, his right half. Um, he nods towards you and smiles. Um, the other side of you, to the right, is a dwarven figure. Um, he is uh, quite old in his age, you can see. He looks to be a good 400 or so. Um, he has a braided Mohican, in which looks that once upon a time used to be quite ginger, and now is greying and almost white in areas of it. Uh, has a thick beard that hang hangs down and brushes against the uh, the rim of the table, and you you're sure as you look at the the ends of the uh, the beard, there looks like he's recently burnt the beard, um, which is just for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and then obviously on the other side of the table for you is this very distracting beholder. Not only because you're sat at a table with a beholder, but also because she has, as I say, and it's more so now you're sat in front of her, every inch of her flesh seems to have a jewel or an opal that has been pushed into her flesh or like almost kind of grafted onto her. She looks like she's made of gold and jewels and there are rings and things hanging from each of her eye rays. Um... As you sit down, she greets the table. Ah, oh, thank you. That seems to be the final, uh, the final contestant needed. Um, just for yourself, uh, it is uh, a ten gold buy-in, as I uh, said at yep. the beginning. Uh, so you Already place, done. yep, you place um, your uh, ten gold in front in front of you. Um, however, the ten gold buy-in is just to get a seat at the table. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't count as a bet. Um, the ten gold will not be taken away from you. It's just to show um, that you have at least ten gold to use as a, so you can use that as part of your your betting in the game later. But um, once that has diminished, you lose your chair at the table. Um, so you don't have to use that pile. You can use money in your pocket to keep the chair going forward. But if you start to use that, it's almost like your last. Your, your, what's the phrase? Um, like last chance saloon sort of thing is your ten mm -hmm. gold buy-in. So, um, she explains the game just in case anyone at the table doesn't um, hasn't played Swords and Shields, uh, though it seems to be especially for yourself as someone who is quite uh, prolific with games. Um, you and the tiefling to your left seem to know what's going on automatically. The dwarf seems to be lost throughout all of it. Um, just uh, mm. yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't trust the dwarf. <laughs> um, you can see his Twitch channel, uh, Grimnir Sinjvi. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'm going to read out the nightmare that is Steve tro tried to write a dice game um, the other day. Um, so as she's explaining, she uses her eye rays to dish out. A set of six d6, a d20, and a cup to each of you. She has one in front of her as, as well. She explains the following. All players will roll in secret, covering them with the cup, before bets can be placed. Once, uh, once all this has taken place, um, she explains that, just so you're aware, for later parts of the game, each odd die result 
on your d6s will count as a shield, and each even result will count as a sword. The, the players then have a, a round of betting where they place what they feel comfortable in front of themselves, showing that they believe they're going to be the victor. You will know, as a uh, society thing, that it's ill-mannered to play more than the combined amount of your opponent's pots. Um, each player will then roll a d20, and the highest will go first. Play then passes counter, passes clockwise around the table until it become until it comes back to the first player again. Everything uh, sorted so far. Happy with where we are. Okay. Um, so, um, with the first on each player's turn. They can declare to the person to their left or the next player at the table um, how many swords or shields they have. The declaration does not have to be honest. If, you, if the player has been told a number of swords or shields by the previous player on their turn, they may fight the previous player or they may declare their swords or shields to the next player continuing the round. Once uh, the first player is, uh, once it gets back to the first player and the last player declares their swords or shields to the first player, if the first player does not fight the fourth player, or in this instance, the, then the round is finished. All unspent uh, bets are put into a collective pot in the middle of the table and a new round is played. So you re-roll and you start again from the, the d20 roll. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into what fights are like when when we get to one, if you would like, or I'm happy to explain it to you now so you've got all the rules in front of you. Um, can I just hazard a guess? Yeah, go for it. Um, swords versus shields. Yes. Yeah. So um, it, would, it would literally be, so you, for example, let's say me and you were playing, I said, I have three shields. You go, well, I've got four swords. I fight him rather than that. We'd both reveal our dice. Um, for each sword, you would uh, you do one damage, person that you're fighting. For every shield, you block a sword, and every six counts as a piercing blow, so it goes through a shield and deals one damage. Or if there's no shield to block it, it does two damage. The player is kicked out of the round if they take five damage. Wonderful. I, I happy to. We'll, we'll go over the rules if they need to be explained that is again. Fine. But I, I know it's a bit convoluted. I've kind of mixed liars dice with something else. And yeah, to... I, I'm. I've I've got the vibe. I'm good. Excellent. Right. So with that, then um, after she's explained this, she smiles and everyone kind of stops and the the, the room goes a little bit quiet, or at least the room at the end goes a little bit quiet as they watch the first round. Um, so. Admit, would you like to roll your first set of d6s? But my that cheaty thing is just a quick way to roll dice rather than having mm -hmm. to. Oh, come on, Daddy wants a new pair of shoes. Room <laughs> near we have. Okay, excellent. So, with that, everyone rolls their dice. 
Um, there is a moment where, uh, where where everyone kind of looks and takes a moment and places their cup over it to keep it hidden and uh, see that each of the people around you start to just count out a couple of coins and place. Um, you can see that the, the dwarf places three gold pieces, the, uh, the tiefling places four gold pieces, and Millie, the beholder, places five gold pieces. So you may play as much or as little as you want, but obviously it can't go over the top of those three there. Um, I'll call Millie's bet. Cool, so you call Millie's bet. Right. And I will uh, just take the moment to uh, to just say to Millie, um, Millie, you're looking uh, especially dazzling today. Uh, tell me, is that a new tooth you've got there? And as you say this, she kind of grins and you do take in the very weird kind of almost like the mint that is her mouth. <laughs> you can see there are mithril teeth, there are platinum teeth. Uh, she ha seems, seemingly has been doing that kind of thing of replacing a normal tooth with a different uh, metal each time that she hears of it. Um, you can see there are a couple of teeth at the back that are still missing a chance to become something else. Um, but she grins and kind of rocks forward gently in her place at the end of the table going, Ah yes, child, thank you for noticing. It's very nice that we have such, uh, such fine-dressed uh, companions to play with today as well. And she shoots a look towards the tiefling who kind of just scoffs. Um, he... he as I say, he's very much dressed in the same sort of fashion as yourself, um, but he looks to be a, almost like a peacock in his kind of his uh, his manner and his uh, the way he holds himself. So, um, at this point, she uh, she smiles and turns to each of you and uh, raises a d twenty with her one of her eye stalks. Uh, and nods to each of you in turn, so everyone can roll their d20. Okay. What did oh. you get? Uh, 13. 13. You see that, um, that Billy rolls a 10, and both uh, the Tiefling and the Dwarf roll an 8. So you will be going first, Algnib. So you, <laughs> you will be able to turn to the Tiefling and as I say, you can either declare your sword or your shield to them. And obviously, as I say, you can uh, you can you can fib um, if you would like. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I have nothing to hide. I have four shields. Miles looks down. Uh, looks down at his pot and lifts it again. Yeah. An excellent first serve. Turns towards uh, Millie miles ago. I have four shields. Millie then smiles towards uh, him and uh, nods. Yes. I call. And there is a moment where, again, You've played the game before. There's normally kind of like a, a level of camaraderie in the first level or the first round where nobody really fights. They start to build mm. the pot. Um, so she calls 
uh, and reveals her hand and he reveals his hand he did indeed have four shields however she has rolled three sixes and three even numbers having six swords and three of them being piercing she basically wipes off the table or at least for this round with the tiefling he uh he he stammers as he looks at the the court the dice in front of him and he goes um okay that was uh that was unexpected okay um miles and places places his coin towards millie um for uh, explanation i don't know if i mentioned this uh, if you win a fight with someone you get their bet um if mm-hmm. both if both of you lose or both of you are wiped out by one another your bets both go into the collective pot in the center so millie takes uh tieflings for gold out the round pot is now nine excellent um she then re-rolls And turns towards uh, the dwarf and goes, "And um, I have, uh, I have three shields now." The dwarf, kind of just very confused, just nods and then turns to you and goes, "Um, I have, uh, I, I have, I have three shields." Hmm. Very well. Excellent. Um, with that, um, as you don't declare the fight, uh, the round drops, and everyone's gold goes into the uh, the central pot, um, and everyone rolls again. Ooh, interesting. Mm. That is interesting. <laughs> He's gonna put his end gold bet as he seems to be uh, feeling a little reluctant. Um, so the you see the tiefling to the next shoe just. Rolls, looks here, puts his 10 gold in immediately. Um, he puts another 2 gold in front of himself. His Both his 2 gold has been taken out of his uh, 10 gold buy-in. And then mm-hmm. Millie... Okay, excellent. And she puts, uh, seeing uh, the the conversation that seems to be happening here, she puts ten gold in as a pot as well, but she doesn't use her buy-in. Um. Interesting. Oh, looks like ten gold's going in. Um. I'm gonna do that from my own. Not from the pot. Excellent. So, 
Okay. <laughs> right, and then everyone rolls their d20 again. Well, that was a three. That was a three. Um, you see that uh, the dwarf rolls a nine, the uh, tiefling rolls a five, and Millie rolls a sixteen. Um, excellent. Millie just has a low, like gentle chuckle to herself as she sees this and turns to the uh, turns to the dwarf. You know, I have um, I have one pierce. Dwarf kind of looking ever more kind of shook because um, I, 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 I fight and they both reveal and to save uh, to, to kind of speed up the process a bit um, just be here because we'll just be going over dice and dice um, you can see that um, with the reveal uh, there is th at this point where's my that's one there so um she decimates the dwarf with a with a actually she had three piercing and two swords. Um, he only had uh, he only had two shields. Um, he after this just puts his remaining pot into the center of the table. And, nope, not not for me. Two inch for my blood. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm gonna go have a nate. Um, and steps away from the table. Billy then re-rolls. And grins towards you as the next player clockwise. As, mm -hmm. Ah, back to our newcomer. Um, how are we feel? Uh, I think with this one, I'm gonna. I have four shields. Hmm. Four shields? Yes. Grins. Well, I think I would very much like to see those shields. And she uh, she reveals her cup. Uh, what did you have? Well, I've got uh, two shields. I've got two swords. And I've got two pierce. Excellent. She reveals that she has six shields. As she places uh, her dice in front of you. So for yourself there, you would be blocked by uh, two shields and then your your um, your uh, two pierces, wasn't it? Yep. So they would do two damage. And she just looks, because the, the, the shields would block them. Um, she would still take the two damage and she just looks taken aback. And she looks down at, her, at the dice and looks at yours. Hmm. Okay. And she moves the pot that she's put, the 10 gold, towards you. And you can see... Do you want to make a... Uh, I don't know if you have your stats to, uh, to hand. Oh, uh, I do, yeah. Do you want to make a uh, insight check for me? Yeah, sure. Uh, 13. 13. You can tell just by the manner that she isn't used to losing when she does have fights. And you can tell that, especially with as you've been watching her and you've been quite um, polite and having chat with her over the table rather than just getting on with the game, 
you can tell that there is a level of her eye stalks are kind of twitching every now and then and you're starting to pick up sound signs of a towel when she's uh when she's lying about something so you notice that the 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 eye stalks at either end start to twitch uh for example when she said the uh she had four shields and she actually had six mm -hmm. you can see that they were twitching there and now you can see that after this bit all of them are kind of like not shaking but they're almost like that kind of trembling with anger sort of thing as she kind of the face and the large eye in the center just looks like oh good game but the eye stalks seem to be telling a different story she smiles yeah. i believe we can uh we can continue to uh to play the game uh uh you need to re-roll uh she says to yourself um and then obviously mm -hmm. it'd be yourself to turn to the tiefling absolutely well played Okay. Um, yes, well, uh, I have three swords. He smiles and goes, I fight. Um, and reveals his, uh, well, he already has three shields, so he'd block if, I'm not sure if you were. Uh, Deceiving? <laughs> what did you actually have? Uh, I had three swords, but two of them were uh, were pierce. Excellent. Um, <laughs> he reveals that he had two pierces and one sword. Um, if you had any shields to block those. Uh, yep, three. Excellent. So you'd only be taking the two points of uh, two points of damage from that, and he just looks down at his uh at his uh his hand and pushes his ten gold towards you and then steps away from the table um you hear something as he's walking away saying about that he's too good for this place anyway and it was just a distraction before he heads out for the evening and then it comes to just you and um you and millie and Millie grins and goes, shall we make this a bit more interesting? And what exactly did you have in mind? Rather than... Rather than playing with the subterfuge of, I could say any dice, shall we just roll for it and see who wins? Oh, but doesn't that just the fun out of things of course we're in your house I mean you know disrespect if that's how you want to play the game I'd like to just see what what you've got up your sleeve he makes a point of uh, pulling up his sleeves <laughs> taking off his gloves and placing them to the side before picking up the dice. She uses one of her eye stalks and raises the 66 in front of her and starts to just gently rock them with arcane kind of nudges to spin them in, in place in the middle of the air. After you, my dear. Should we go on three? 
Indeed. And she rolls on free with you as you both count out. Yep. What did you get? Ooh, okay. Uh, so, that is one, two, three swords, one pierce, two shields. As you throw down, and it's a decent hand as you look at it, you, you, you'd, you'd need a decent amount of shields to block what you've thrown down. Watch as two of them land on pierce. Two of them seem to do that usual thing of dice being on a bit of an angle and then rocking down and land on another two sh uh, pierces. And then the final two continue to spin in place on the point uh, of one of the corners. And she looks at you and leans forward and goes, I do not take too kindly the people coming into my emporium and making a fool of me. The dice continue. Obviously, I meant no disrespect. I simply sat down at the table, played the game as well as anyone else, if not better than anyone else. Um, but of course, if that's how you feel, again, I apologize. And you can see, just again, off that you know, rolling and not needing another insight, you're looking around uh, at the eye stalks, and the one that is controlling the two dice that continue to spin is focused, but the others are shaking again, in that kind of aggressive fashion. I never lose in my emporium. And she slams down the, the eye stalk against her at the top of her head, and the dice stop spinning. And there's almost like time stands still for a moment as both of them drop and land onto shields. And she looks down at it and looks back towards you. I believe I have I believe I have made mm. And she just pushes the pot towards you and starts to move away towards uh, a door on the side of the the kind of like the backstage exit kind of thing on the side of the the theatre. The the entire kind of like small crowd that was watching has kind of has that kind of like pantomime, <gasps> and then she just kind of swishes off and leaves you at the table. Well, what do you do? That was certainly dramatic, wasn't it? Um, gathers up the coin. Ah, uh, puts his gloves back on. Um, gonna attempt to follow her. Excellent. Um, as you uh, get up and walk towards the uh, the door, there's no uh, there's no uh, like guards or anything like that. There's no uh, anyone stopping you going through. You step through the door and you step into what looks like essentially like a an office meets kind of like a a, a 
it looks like an office that's also been set up for a living quarters. Um, nothing like you've ever really seen in terms of like the usual living quarters of, of people who are one need stairs or um, uh, also that kind of like weird it's almost like walking into a hoarder's house uh, where there's loads of different you see different dice sets different card sets and there's a theme to all of it there's a lot of like gambling and gaming errata around you you can see at least eight different sets of uh, of chess sets have been set up in like this piled kind of stacking um to one side all of them are able to have their pieces stood in their place with the the shelving um next to it you can see they have like dragon sets you can see they've got uh, god sets um but the entire room just looks like almost like a, a gaming den meets a, an office um there's no kind of visible furniture apart from a sofa that sits to one side uh, that looks like it, it hasn't really been dusted or cleaned in a while as it's moth-eaten and kind of dust-covered. She is currently just... As you step in, uh, Millie is facing away from the, uh, the door, uh, just looking through books on the far end of the room. Um, he'll just clear his throat to make his presence known. <clears throat> she turns in a very um, shocked manner. Ah, I don't usually get guests after a game. Was it not good enough that you won? Well, I think it was a game well played by both. And he just puts the money down onto one of the desks. I enjoy coming to this place. The games are good. And I don't really want to be turned away. As I say, I meant no disrespect. And if I have offended you, I will do what I can to make it up to you. What's your name, sir? Elgnib Iadalsine. I see. May I be frank with you, Elgnib? I thought you were Millie. <sighs> we... Just a, it's, it's a bit of witty banter. No, okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, apologies. Carry on. You, um, you are a kindred spirit, Elnib. I could tell from the moment you sat at the table. The other two don't understand the, the power of dice and cards, and things are going awry of late. I'll be honest with you, I cheat at Swords and Shields the best part of every game I play. But I can't control the dice anymore. Something is disturbing the energies. Hmm. 
Are you familiar with Caradoon Hall? Vaguely familiar with it. Um, about as much as the next traveler. It's a day or two's ride from here, here south. It's the uh, location of. It used to be the World Splitters. Till we lost the last of him. And you could say that Brendelwick is the last of them, but um, it's uh, losing his touch as well. There is speak of a uh, attempt to investigate these disturbances I've been speaking of via some charm the Lich has been working on. I'm not strong enough to leave this place, let alone interfere with the magics that he'll be creating. Would you do an old girl a favor? So, if I'm understanding this correctly, you want me to go and investigate that. And then... I'm fine to come back. You are I'm fine. not going to be disintegrated. The most you would have got was a shakedown by Tweedledee and Tweedledum before you left. You are welcome to come back. Again, it's not you that is the problem. As I say, this disturbance in the energies is uh, making me... Are you aware that there is an ideology that everything that a beholder dreams becomes reality? I have heard stories of it, yes. There is also a ideology that we share dreams in an almost prophesizing manner. And the two or three beholders that I am aware of and correspond with suggested that they have shared similar dreams that I have suffered see a tomb everything and everyone inside it is stone see five doors at the end of the tomb Four of which are open. Magic comes off them that I cannot understand. The fifth door simply old faded sigil.
Do we recognize the sigil? I do not. I am only of Cordelia. I've never traveled outside of the plain, so I am not aware of it. You may. I do not know your traveling. They know of it. It is a simple hand holding an eye. I would say he knows it. Yep. I'd go with, yep. especially with the amount of time you speak with, like, outside as if you are purely Cordelia home base, or if it's just a place that you've moved to, um, even more so. The sigil is synonymous with the uh, the God of Lies and the God of Secrets. Or the God of... Not the God of Lies, the God of Secrets. The God of Lies is uh, mm -hmm. the other one. Um, And again, no disrespect mean, meant by this, but are you 100% sure that that is what you have seen? Yes. I have asked those that travel, and they have always been too scared to comment on this visage. But those that are into their scholarly ways have suggested that that sigil holds no power in Cordelia until the final seal is broken. I have no idea what this means. I couldn't begin to comment on that since I have no idea, but what I can tell you is that that symbol means nothing good. It means Death and destruction. Um, yes. So go and investigate, pass on your information, probably hightail it straight back after that. I would be most gracious even if I could have a forewarning of things to come I'll um I'll see what I can do Miles very weakly turns back to her books um leaves you to essentially do what you would like um he'll smile bow make his way uh out of uh the casino and then um pretty much as soon as he's out of the door um just falls against the wall and just starts breathing deeply panicked. I think there is a nice moment to uh, wrap up this prologue. As you take a moment, your breath, 
the realizations of certain things creeping into the back of your head that doesn't seem to be understood by I would say in a in a world building moment as well of that this sigil is only known to the outside world it has never been seen across the 60 or so years that Cordelia has existed and you have never heard of any place uh, described in the way that she has explained to you but you do know that apparently answers can be found south at this place called Caradun Hall which is somewhere that is it's a bit like everyone knows of that like that stately home near their their area it's it's basically that for mm -hmm. Aelstorm's rest it's a manor house that used to be the headquarters when all of the world splitters were living and um protecting and you have heard tale of people at the moment who are traveling through the uh, portals that lead into the world to go off on this adventure that has been set by Brenderwick Gall, which is why you find yourself for maybe reluctance, maybe um, intrigue. You find yourself on the 45th of spring, standing on the outskirts of a campsite that sits open around in the field that sits ahead of Caradoon Hall. See him at least a good hundred or so people milling around looking into camps the camps they've set up they've got like water skins and such refilling from a brook nearby they've got bed rolls all out because they've been there for several days and the point that we'll be picking up next week with our first episode will be as the double doors on this balcony that hangs on the first floor of the uh, of the hall swing open and this red and pink robed lich steps forward onto the balcony with a huge 10-15 foot hologram version of him appearing next to the, the manor shortly after and he calls out Good evening and welcome to Caradoon Hall where we will end our episode today There we go. We've prologued. I mean, I could have stayed in the casino for the, the entire campaign. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Emma, um, Emma tried some of them last night and was like, I want to play these out of D&D, &D, so if we can put them into the game later. <laughs> but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball thing at you. Ooh, go for it. I how about like we it. how about how about we look at getting those onto uh onto the website? Yeah, I've I've got a uh, sheet we'll uh, I'll pop them on the uh on the world page or something like that. We can put like some fancy things. Um happy to just quickly uh go so you've already played um Beholder's Eye, literally the D tens. Um you had the roulette, which is quite literally the DM rolls uh, a certain amount of dice to enact where the ball would fall, and I made a whole uh, I made a whole roulette table on the Albert Rodeo just in case you wanted to place oh. your chips. Oh, I feel I feel bad now. Oh, don't! It only took like five minutes, and it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yes, uh, and then uh, Swords and Shields was the one that I spent the most amount of time on it. 
as I say, it's basically liar's dice, but adding a bit more fancy mm-hmm. stuff. And then blackjack, you literally just roll a d12 and a d10, and then you can add a different coin or add a different card by rolling another dice until you hit 21 or bust. Um, yeah, I'll pop I'll pop them up on the uh, on the website, and you can uh, see our madness that you could you could be playing in your own D&D games because. Uh, I don't mind anyone stealing these, or even if you want to take them and make your own, your own, always happy to take feedback. Give us a tweet, give us an email, whichever way you want to do. Um, yeah, that's me for today. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up, Liam? Um, thanks. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. Yeah, thank you. Um, right, well, I, I guess in the usual way that we sign these things off, all Liams that want to say bye, say bye. Oh, that's me. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>